friends, welcome to episode two of Overflow. I am really excited about our time together today as we continue this season of knowing. Last episode, we talked about the beautiful reality of being known. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. That the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. So, I ask you right now, do you know that you are loved? Do you believe that you are loved? By your Creator, the one who knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. The Lord also gave Jeremiah the same message reminder as he was calling him out and appointing him to his purpose as a prophet to the nations. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. The Lord, our Creator, our Father, doesn't depend on or rely upon our appointed earthly relationships to fulfill us. Only our divine heavenly Father can do that. To be known is to be truly loved, to the deepest depth of our very marrow loved. A sacred space that only our Maker, our Creator, God can feel, and Jesus could die to fulfill. We find the written beauty of this in Psalm 139. The words of David says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. January the 16th, 1986, 37 years ago, I stepped into my forever season of knowing that I am known by God. These spaces are very personal and intimate. They are often misunderstood and not received with the same depth of joy by others who have not encountered Jesus in a personal way. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. If we do not know the one who created us, we will never reach the depth of knowing of how deeply known, treasured, and loved we are. My story has webs, and yet it's full of wings. Our time today will not allow enough space to inform you of God's full magnificence in my story, but I will gratefully share with you what I can. I was five years old when I first encountered the fragrance of God. 
It was in a hollerin' church with red pews and a country choir. When the altos sang, you listened, because they were repeating the important stanza the sopranos had just belted out. (laughs) If you know, you know. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but the seed of heaven was planted in my heart that day. My sweet grandmother and countless others watered the soil of my heart for several years. They lived Jesus in front of me. They talked about him a great deal to me and among me. I heard about Jesus at the funerals I would attend with my grandmother and on the car rides to family reunions with her. When I was nine years old, I stepped out of one of those red cushioned pews and walked forward to tell my Sunday school teacher that I wanted to belong to Jesus and live for him. The seeds that were planted fell on the fertile soil of my heart and God's love started growing in me. That was 35 years ago, and throughout those days, there has been a mingling of brokenness with hope, rebellion with submission, rejection with acceptance, shame with honor, confusion with clarity, addiction to please with the courage to say no, and codependence with independence. You see, one almost never grows into something of grand beauty without the other. It takes the fall to rise up, the limp to appreciate the broken made into something beautiful, and I cannot deny the promise of God that He makes all things beautiful in His time. If we do not know the One who created us, we will never know how deeply known, loved, and treasured we are. Much more of my life unfolded, even unraveled after that January night on the 16th day of 1986. My youth days were a continuous wrestle of desiring what was pure and stepping into what wasn't. I found myself in and out of stages of compromise between seeking my own desires and pleasure to leaning into the pure and holy life that I believe God had created for me. I was naive and vulnerable. I danced with sin, and then I took a bow to religion on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, and Wednesday nights. That's what good Christians did. Attend church every time the doors were open. Don't drink. Don't have sex. Don't do drugs. Don't cuss. Don't steal. And don't lie. Being good for the good shepherd rose above seeking the goodness of the Good Shepherd. I experienced conviction over my choices, and then confusion would often follow. The more I tried to do good, the more I didn't. Like Paul, who clearly maps out our sin nature in Romans seven eighteen and 19, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. It was a real wrestle for Paul, and it was a real wrestle for me, too. My view of the gospel and the life of holiness we are called to was tainted by deep religiosity from my view of the church 
and I had a lack of confidence and trust in myself and others around me who professed to follow Jesus. The enemy kept trying to drag me into this pit and destroy everything beautiful God was growing within me. I think this was the first time in my life that I realized how much of a conniving bully and thief he is, the enemy. He doesn't like it when we believe in the redemption and rescue of God, and he certainly doesn't like it when we run toward it. Just like the opening words of David in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. He speaks of the omniscience of God's knowing of him. That is a divine, penetratingly level of intimate knowing. No other one can ever know you like your all-knowing creator. It is an immaculate, miraculous depth of knowing that is on purpose for a purpose. You can't escape it. You can't erase it. And when you and I embrace it, we will encounter the greatest treasure in the one who created us to be known by us. The gospel speaks for itself. It contains the very inspired words of God. This love story written to you and me contains countless promises of hope and captures the depth of redemption that the cross paved the way for us to radically experience. No matter what sin web you may have woven into or how many times you've turned your face from his glory, maybe you've never held his presence as close as your breath because to know the depth of how known, loved, and treasured you are, you must know him. Leaning into the searching and testing, knowing of our anxious thoughts allows him the opportunity to point out What isn't pointing to him in our lives? Because he already knows everything about us. A woman of no distinction, the Samaritan woman. In John chapter 4, Jesus enters a town in Samaria. He was tired and sat down by Jacob's well. A Samaritan woman came by to draw water from the well, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And she said, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The Samaritan woman replied, This well is deep, and you have nothing to draw with. Where can you get this living water? Everyone who drinks this water, the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She replies, Give me this water so I do not thirst and need to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus proceeds to reveal to her his knowledge of her. She acknowledges he is a prophet. And Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, 
A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. A time is coming when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. These are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And she replies, I know that Messiah, the Christ, is coming, and when he does, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declares to her, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Then the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Many of the Samaritans in this town believed him because of the woman's testimony. She says, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. A woman of no distinction, of little importance, who was judged with whispers and glances of passersby. Did they even take the time to get to know her? To be known is to be loved, and she wanted to be known. Someone to look beyond her eyes into the depths of who she is. Her hopes, her dreams, and even her fears. Her pain kept her to herself, yet she met hope at a well. A woman of no distinction, who met a man who offered her redemption. He took the time to look at her and to tell of his knowing of her, all of her. From every hair on her head to every tear she had shed, he made sure that day that her story would not go unread. To be known is to be loved. If we do not know the one who created us, we will never know how deeply known, loved, and treasured we are. As our time together today is coming to a close, I would love to leave you with a few thoughts to ponder on. As we remember the words of David in Psalm 139, I ask you, do you believe that God not only knows the deepest places within you, but he actually desires to meet you there? Knowing is believing. What is it in your life right now? Thoughts, actions, words, or deeds? What is it that's creating boundaries or barriers for your ability to know God? Because knowing is acknowledging. And are you willing to surrender, open hands, open heart, and let him search you so you can know him like he knows you? Because knowing is active. If we do not know the one who created us, we will never know how deeply known, loved, and treasured we are. Thank you for joining me today in the overflow and allowing me to share my joy of knowing him on my spiritual birthday. 37 years 
I'm surely not old enough for that. I would not trade one single step on this journey of following in his footsteps because he has been the only unwavering, steadfast, absolute security for my entire existence. I hope you will choose knowing him too. No matter where you are today, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing Jesus, there is nothing greater. And I can't wait until next time.